We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. time to move on to some Notre Dame team stuff what we're going to do the next four days is we're going to talk about so practice this Friday we'll have some sort of practice recap show what that's going to look like I don't know simply because I still don't know if we're going to be at practice or not if I'm going to be at practice or not I should say so I don't know if it's going to be me Vince and Sean Stiers or just Vince and Sean Stiers and obviously who that the answer to that is going to change what the shows on Friday is going to look like but we will have a some sort of practice recap on Friday Thursday night, we'll obviously have a Jaden Osbury show. And, you know, we may have a couple other impromptu recruiting shows this week. Who knows? But we're going to kind of focus on some team stuff. And, and what we want to do kind of going into camp, Ryan, is kind of look at what are the perceived strengths of Notre Dame going into the season? And what are the areas where we're most concerned, where you want to see some questions get answered in fall camp? And so it's sort of looking at what it looks like going into fall. Now, look, Notre, there's going to be different strengths that emerge in fall camp, it happens every year. There's going to be areas maybe you thought were going to be strong that you're not quite as strong at. That happens to every team every year. But this is kind of a sort of a state of the union, so to speak, going into fall camp. And so today and tomorrow, we're going to focus on the defense. And today we're going to focus on what we perceive to be the strengths of the defense and why those strengths are important to play out as strengths in the season. Right. And Ryan, you and I were talking about this before the show. And the biggest one for us was in order to truly compete for a championship, right? And that's the goal. That's the standard, right? It's not that, well, you know, 10 and 2 is perfectly fine. No, this goal's champion. It's Notre Dame. The goals are championships. That that I think that you need stars. And I think this is especially true on defense. And, and one of the things Brian Kelly said a number of years ago that is is one of the most true things he ever said. He said, look, I can scheme my way into success on offense. Now, he didn't, but theoretically that is true. He says, but on defense, you need, you know, and I'm going to just paraphrase and put it in my language, but you need dudes on defense. You, 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 you can scheme your way into a certain level of success, but it's going to be capped based on your talent level. And I think we kind of, we've seen that in past years, right? Where Notre Dame was really good on, on defense at, at you know, and statistically in 2019, they were statistically really good in 2020. 
they ended up, what's funny is for all the flack that they caught last year because of a couple bad games, that was one of statistically their best defenses in the last five years, points and yards and all that type of stuff. But the problem was, is when they played against the better teams on the schedule, they weren't good enough. And I think a big reason why is because the upper level of the talent was not there. I thought this they got as much as they could in most years out of the out of the team from a coaching standpoint. I think one of the biggest differences for me, Ryan, going into the season is the star power, the potential for star power at Notre Dame in 2022. And there's still some questions. Guys got to step into that role. But the potential for star power in 2022 is significantly greater than it's been I would argue in a decade going back to 2012, if, you know, I think the only year that you maybe could debate with that is 20 is maybe 2018 and maybe 2015 because you had Jalen Smith and those type of guys, but the coaching held back that 2015 team. So, but I think those are the only years that you could potentially say Notre Dame had as much star power. And the biggest difference between this dynamic in any defense other than 2018, even 2012, is the star power in this class and this and the potential for star power on this defense is on all three levels. And that's what makes it unique or could make it unique if it turns out to be true. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that you you phrased that perfectly, Brian. I mean, wh- where you look at this team right now from a tangible understanding of who is a star on this team, I think that Isaiah Foskey has clearly taken on that mantle as the star of the defense. And then you have Brandon Joseph, who transferred from Northwestern at safety, nine interceptions the last two years, was a all Amer- preseason All-American last year. Like, he's a fantastic football player when he's playing within himself. So you look at those two players, you're like, star, star. What we saw, the glimpses of Cam Hart in his first year as a starter, I think the kid can be a star. Like, there's no doubt about it. Just what we saw last year, six, two and a half, four, four speed, 
athletic as anything, former wide receiver, obviously early on in his Notre Dame career, ball skills. There's everything there for him to also be a star on this team. And then you have Jason Adam Malola, who, again, does he need to finish more? Sure. Yeah. But disruption last year, he caused issues every single game it felt like, right? Like right. he's just a such a difficult player. And if he takes that next step and he does finish more plays, then he's a superstar potentially as well. Right. The key to this team, though, the key, in my opinion, because and I would love to hear your your two cents on this, Brian. If Isaiah Foskey's the same player as last year, he's still a great player. He's a star. Right. He's right. a star. Right. If Brandon Joseph is what he was at Northwestern, he's a star. Yep. If if Cam Hart was is what he was last year, he's a good to very good football player. Yeah. No doubt. Jason Adamalola, same thing. Good to very good football player at at worst if he stays the same. The key here is the guy that is the most unknown quantity right now that we're excited about is Maris Loyfowl on the second right. level. That kid, if he is remotely what we think he can be, then you're talking about not just a star on every level. You're talking about a difference-making star on every level mm -hmm. that can create so many big plays and has length on the second level that Notre Dame, honestly, yeah. just hasn't had over the last couple of years. Like, let's call it what it is. Like They just have not had this combination of length and explosiveness on the second level outside of him playing not since 2018 <laughs> right not, and, and, and to your to your point the thing is is they've they they've had a guy like that right jeremiah was that way in 19 and 20 i think where 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 i'm reading your comments is you already have an expectation of jd bertrand and jack kaiser being good football players this year jack 100%. was a good football player last year jd was a good football player the year before the quality has not been to the uh, the complementary players have not been this good since mm -hmm. in a, in a couple of years. Not that though, not J Drew White was a fine football player, right? Football. I mean, yeah, but sure. we think the levels raised. We think Jack's going to be even better this year. We think JD's going to be even better this year because he's in a better position. And if he isn't starting, that means he got beat out by somebody even better, which again raises the level of what we expect those positions to be. The question is, can you then have that star player? And even bigger is that star player inside. And, and with all due respect to Jeremiah Usukoromo, who is a phenomenal player, I'm not saying that Maris is going to be better than Jeremiah. What I'm saying, however, is that I think Maris is at a position that can impact the game even more than Jeremiah. Because you could game plan away from Jeremiah. It's hard to game plan from an inside linebacker. It is. And, and so I think to your point, if Marist is the guy that we keep hearing he's going to be, and again, these are ifs, right? We need to see it. We're just talking about what we've heard and what we saw in the spring. If he is that guy. And I talked to a source the other day, and I'm going to have an intel piece on the team coming out, hopefully by by Thursday, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, uh, which is what I do every year, just get as much intel on the team going into the season as I can. It'll only be on the message board, so you're going to want to sign up for that. But the one thing I heard about Maris is, is I've heard this word now, three different people inside the program have told me this. The dude is special. Right? Not like, no, hey, we're expecting a big year. We, you know, we, we think he's really, you know, his experience is there. And, and, you know, he's doing that. It's it's the same. It, that dude is special. That dude is special. And I've heard it from uh, people that that sources that I have that are associated with Notre Dame, the team. Right. Like people that are employed at Notre Dame. And I've heard that also from from people that are associated with players. And, and the reason that I think that's important to note is because you're always going to get some level of you know, from certain sources, you're always getting some level of this is the 
this is the sort of what we want out there, right? Sure. When you talk to the players or people associated with the players, you get a little bit more of a raw take if you have a good relationship with them. And that's what I keep hearing is this kid is going to be special. This kid is a star. This kid is a difference maker. This kid, is, and you're talking about people that play with Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Right. So they know what special looks like. Is my point. They know what a, what a dude looks like. And so if he steps up, then then all of a sudden Marist and and JD, if they can play with discipline, that's the only big question I would still have. Is Marist is going to make some highlight reel game changing plays this year? But you also hope that the game changing plays don't include him fitting the wrong gap him going the wrong direction because I didn't say game changing for Notre Dame, right? right. Hopefully they are only game changing for Notre Dame, but he's got to play with more discipline. And if he does, he's got a chance to be a special, special player. And then you add that to what we expect from JD or the Mike linebacker in, in general, Jack Kaiser and Jordan Patojo and Jalen Snead, a Rover. You're not talking about the second level of your defense becoming a strength combined with what we already know up front, which we'll get to in a second. But at that point in time, you don't necessarily need Cam Hart and so and so in the secondary, and you know, and Ramon Henderson and Clarence Lewis or Tariq Brace to be stars. It just just be good, right? Just be good. But if you get both to be that kind of guy, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you've got you've got because here, here's the thing we saw from Cam in flashes last year. He he's a game changer, and what I mean by that is two things: a cornerback being a game changer can be one of two things. If you throw at him, he's going to make you pay. Cam did that last year. Or he's a game changer because teams just say, I'm not going at five. Just and, and we saw that now as well at times last season. And and so he can be that guy. Now, consistency is going to be key for him, right? That's going to be the big key for Cam Hart. But when you can have a guy on the perimeter, on the back end, and then on the inside that are game changers, that's can that's how you can get to the point where you have a defense, Ryan, that can say, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with – Ohio State or Clemson or USC or or Alabama or Oklahoma or whoever that you may face when you get to that next level. And that's why it's important because to win those games, at the end of the day, you need game changers. You need stars and you need your stars to play like stars. And I think that's the thing for me that makes me kind of fired up about what this defense could be this season become because of those additions. And I'm going to make a bold statement, and this is what I want you to respond to as well. You can go with what you're about to say. Yep. I will not be shocked if Brandon Joseph in 2022 is better than Kyle Hamilton in 2021. And and I'll explain why if you, if you, if you uh, need me to elaborate a little bit on that. Well, I, so my, the first thing I was going to say is typically when a team has, let's just say one superstar defense, you can kind of game plan to get around sure. them, right? Cincinnati like, you know, did that with Isaiah Foskey last year. 100%. Like, you can avoid that guy. But when you have a player on every single level that you could quantify as a difference maker, as a elite, potentially, a potentially elite football player, good luck trying to avoid all those guys. Like, if you have a guy at free safety, will linebacker, defensive tackle, defensive end, and corner that are all playing at a high level, who are you avoiding? Like at that point, you, it, it's just almost an impossible task at that point. Right. So, and to your question, Brian, I think I said that originally when we did a show after Brandon Joseph, what had transferred someone asked, can this second, can the safety position be better with him compared to Kyle Hamilton? And my answer is yes. And it's not that 
It's not that Kyle, ha- it's not that he's a better player than Kyle Hamilton. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that Brandon Joseph gives you more upside as a pass coverage player than a Kyle Hamilton, which is going to make everyone around you better. Like you could look at Brandon Joseph and be like, hey, Brandon, go play single high free safety and let everybody else just kind of roam and do their job and, you know, just kind of freelance a little bit more. And Brandon Joseph can do it. And then Brandon Joseph has just an insane ability to create big plays. Like in the biggest moments, I think of the Ohio State game a couple years ago when Northwestern was actually a good football team, not this past year when they were terrible. That one-handed interception covering Garrett Wilson from the slot of all people who just went top 10 in the 2022 NFL draft, right? So this kid's a potentially special player. And from working from depth, he's a better player than Kyle Hamilton. Now, is he going to do the same things in the box as Kyle Hamilton? No. Is he going to do some of the things that you see with the length that Kyle Hamilton can do? No. Here's my thing, though, Ryan. Here's my thing on that. I want to respond to that because here's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that they're going to be the same player. They don't need to be. And I'm not going to say he's going to be better at certain things, but here's the reality. And and, and for people say, well, Kyle's, you know, only played this amount. I'm not talking about what he was for the entire season. I'm talking about what he was when he was on the field. Last year was Kyle Hamilton's worst season, in my opinion. He was an All-American by reputation only. He made some really crazy highlight reel throws. But teams did not shy away from Kyle Hamilton last year. Toledo went after Kyle Hamilton, right? Cincinnati went after Kyle Hamilton with the game on the line. It was 17-13, and they went after Kyle Hamilton. You know what I mean? And so, to me, Kyle played uh, for Kyle, to be honest with you. And he just wasn't that good last year, in my opinion. Now, he was good. He was impactful. But he's very inconsistent, and he was – he was, you know, like he's got really good cover potential, but it just seemed like he wasn't all that interested in covering last year. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I look at Brandon Joseph, I see a guy that is a lot more steady on a play-by-play-by-play basis. He may not make the going from the back hash to the other side and making the pick, but I also don't see Brandon Joseph ripping his helmet off and getting a 15-yard penalty either. And that and was to me what what some what summarized Kyle's year last year was Kyle was playing – for Kyle and Brandon, I think will fit into the team. So I think his overall play from a beginning to end of the season standpoint, the more and more you break down the film of Kyle Hamilton, you saw like he was a tremendous player and, and tremendous. Let me rephrase. He was a tremendous talent, but he was a much better player in 2020 than he was last year. In my opinion, much better That's, player. And I'm just in the games he played. I'm not talking about when he only played seven, just in the yeah. games where he was on the field. Sure. He was not the player last year that he was the year before. And teams did not fear him last year the way that they did the year before. And that's a very that. telling thing, a very telling thing. Yeah. And I mean, to your point is Brandon Joseph is going to make the backs, you know, backside hash, you know, play against Florida state. Not many other people are either. Right. So like, it's not a big, like, Oh my God, Brandon Joseph can't make that play. There's only a couple people on earth that could probably make that play for being right. honest, which is what well, made, Ramon Kyle Henderson Hamilton special, right? Well, a <laughs> little different, but sure, sure. We get there. We get there with that one, but he, well, I'm talking about the play he had against Virginia. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it was a great play. It was a great play. There's no doubt. Kyle Hamilton was a special talent. Was he a special football player all the time? No, I agree with you on that. I agree hundred percent with it. Brandon Joseph was a better football player in 2020 than Kyle Hamilton has been at Notre Dame. In my mm-hmm. opinion, I don't know if you agree with that, but like, his season that he had with Northwestern as a redshirt freshman 
was a special season. Yeah. He was fantastic that year. Yeah. The only concern I have about Brandon Joseph is he needs to be a consistent tackler. Yes. And I think that that's more a technical perspective than a one-two perspective or an inability to tackle. Yep. But if he cleans that up, he's yep. a special player in the pass game. Like, and, pass coverage, big yep. time. And that's why I said he'll be better than Kyle was last year. Because Kyle in 2020 was a much better player. And it was because he – because Kyle was a more consistent tackler. He was a more consistent player in coverage. And so, yes, you are correct. I, I would I would say that, that is, he has to clean that up. And that's true for the whole defense. I think the other thing is I do think in order for Notre Dame to maximize its potential, they need a second defensive lineman to step up and be a star. Now, the caveat for me is I don't think they necessarily need it one guy to do it every game though a one guy they need some guy to step up and do it every game whether it's Jason Adamiola one week Riley Mills the next week Justin Adamiola the next week Howard Cross the next week Jacob Lacey the next and I'm not talking about stepping up as big plays but guys just come out and like hey if you're gonna you know send your protection over here then I, you're you're you just you're not gonna block me one-on-one and and um you know, that's kind of that's kind of the big thing for me. So, um, w- when I look at when I look at that with those guys, so that's going to be another key for me when it comes to stars and that transition sort of into the defensive line as a whole. Mm-hmm. The defensive line is going to be a strength of this football team, in my opinion. The question is, and is how how big of a strength will it be? And and, and that kind of we can get into. We've talked about before, and and, and that's not like a, a concern. But I think when I look at this football team, I, I I'm as I'm as confident in this side of the ball, like this unit, as I am probably on any on the team in regard to just there's high low. What, like what makes a unit great? Do you have stars? Yes, they do. Do you have depth at all positions? Yes, they do. Do you have a, a rotation where when you put your second wave in or mix and match your ones and twos, because that's what will happen, right? Like, Early last year, they were just sending in like the entire second team. And I was like, well, you look at a lot of the big plays that happened last year. It's when they had the whole second team defensive line out there. It was a mistake by the defensive staff last year. And they eventually went away from that and, and went back to what I think works, which is after the first series or two, you kind of mix and match. You have your number two nose with your number one three tech and your number one big end with your number two Viper, whatever the case may be. Or, you know, maybe your number one three and Viper with your number two nose and big end since they tend to be on the same side together. And so, to me, when I when I look at this group, uh, to, that's that's the big thing for me, is is to say, hey, this group has got all the things that you look for, and that doesn't even include if a Gaber Rubio or a Jason Onye or, uh, you know, Aiden Gobira or Tyson Ford or Josh Burnham step up. They don't even need that to happen for them to already be in that position. If those guys step up, it only adds to what I think is is the unit. I think the two lines are the sides of the ball that right now I view as being the the best of what Notre Dame has to offer. I'm more confident of them than I am of really any position group on this team. It's so nice when you have a guy like Isaiah Foskey, because to your point, you know where all the protection is going to be slid early in the year, right? Like you know who is going to be the guy every game, or at least early in the year, that they're going to say, we can't let number seven stop us. Like, there's just – it's not going to happen, right? 
So, I mean, I got to think that guys like Jason Adamalola and Riley Mills, to your point, Brian, Justin Adamalola, all, all of them are just kind of chomping at the bit saying, wow, that guy is going to provide us so many one-on-one opportunities. And it is hard for me to imagine that there is a world where a Riley Mills, where a Justin Adamalola, where a Jason Adamalola, where a Howard Cross or a Jacob Lacey, whoever, Aiden Gobira, if he gets some playing time, are going to get consistent one-on-one matchups and be able to be stopped. I, I just can't see a world where that is going to happen. So I think there could be a big shift, especially early on in the year too, where you know Isaiah Foskey's your dude. Like he is absolutely the guy. And you know that going into the game, everyone is going to say seven's not going to beat us. So therefore, Riley Mills might have a day to your point. Jason Adamalola might have a day to your point. Justin Adamalola may have a day to your point. All these guys could have days. I am just trying to see if they are consistent enough across the board from a nose, three tech, big end perspective, where eventually you can take some of the pressure off Isaiah Foskey and say, wow, now Isaiah is getting some one-on-ones because Riley Mills just had three sacks last game or two sacks last game, or Jason Adamalola lived in the backfield all day. So we need to, you know, kind of mix up our protection a little bit to make sure that 57 is going to beat us, right? So I agree with you, Brian. I think that right now, this defensive line, how could you not be excited about the prospects of playing with Isaiah? And I don't want that to even, I don't want that to, to, go the opposite direction of saying like it's Isaiah and a bunch of guys because there is a lot of talent on this defensive line there really is and if you give these guys some one-on-one opportunities especially early on in the year because you know you're going to see it against Ohio State I don't think Ohio State is going to sit there and say even though I'm sure they have a lot of they have a lot of confidence in Paris Johnson I'm sure and I'm sure they have confidence in Dewan Jones I'm sure they have confidence in their guys I'm not saying they don't but I think that they would be very silly if they weren't like, all right, let's slide our protection to seven this time. You know, let's let's try to, to do that. And I think that you can you're going to see if the defensive line, aside from Isaiah Foskey, can be consistent all the way through the year. That's only going to make Isaiah better, and this position has a chance to be one of the better defensive lines in all of college football. I think we saw a little bit of that last year. You know, there were games like like J- J- Jason Adamula coming out early against USC. USC kind of trying to focus its protection on Isaiah and Jason comes out on like the first or second play of the game and just destroys the guy and gets a sack. We saw, we saw like the Virginia game last year when Myron went down, Riley Mills steps in and Nana steps in and they both play really good. Nana against the run, Riley getting, you know, two sacks in the game. So for me, Ryan, I, I think I, I that's kind of where you're right. That needs to happen. I think where I'm coming from is I'm confident it will. And I, and I know you are too, but that's what they've got to show, right? Like, And I think it's even more true in the big games because as good as the D-line was, I don't think it was great against Cincinnati last year because I don't think anybody really stepped up when they were taking Isaiah out and said, hey, I'm going to go make a play. They weren't bad. I mean, Cincinnati could not run on Notre Dame last year. And that's a big part of that's the D-line played really well. What I'm more referring to is those big money stops, right? Where you know it's third down and you need to get to the quarterback. They're taking Isaiah out. Can you can you stop that? Can you somebody else step up? That's what we're going to need to see. And it doesn't need to happen against Cal or Marshall or BYU or North Carolina or Stanford or Syracuse or BC or Navy. It needs to happen against Clemson. It needs to happen against Ohio State. It needs to happen against USC and in the postseason. 
to me, those are going to be the big keys uh, in, in when I look at just how good this D-line is going to be. But it's going to be a strength. Of that, we have no doubt. The question is, is how much of a strength? And when that's your discussion, you're starting, your baseline is really good. And I think that's the positive about this team, that's about this unit going into the season. And here's the other part. One of the strengths we're going to talk about, which is going to be kind of interesting because it's not proven, like the D-line is proven. There's a lot of dudes coming back that have made big plays and big games. I mean, Jacob Lacey against Wisconsin on fourth and one last year, right? He's been a key rotation player for three years. Howard Cross was a key part of a really good D-line last year. Foskey, Riley Mills played a lot of snaps last year. We know the Adam Yolas have been like three, four-year parts of the defensive line rotation, right? Like there's a lot of guys there that have proven themselves to be good. There's way more proven production coming back along the D-line this year than there was last year when they were having to replace, you know, uh, Adi Takumba Ogandiji and Dalen Hayes. And then the year before that, they were replacing Khalid Kareem, Julian Aguar, and Jameer Jones. Mm-hmm. So they lost a lot the last, the previous two years from that D line. And this year, you know, they lost Kurt Heinish and Myra Tungvaloa, who are great leaders, great guys, but they weren't like the impact difference makers like the guys they had lost in previous years were. Sure. And and so that they'll, they'll be easier to to replace from a on field standpoint. Now, will they be able to replace the leadership? That's the bigger question because those two guys were great leaders. So the the point is is I think that one thing that is going to really help this unit is one of the offensive strengths that for me, and we'll discuss this more, is the offensive line is going to be a strength for this team this year. They're going to be coached better. They're going to be big. They're going to be strong. They're going to be physical. This defensive line is going to be so much better prepared going into the season to handle what's going to come at them than they were last year. You could see it in the first couple games. It took the defensive line a couple games to really get going. Like Isaiah had some flashy plays. Jason had some flashy plays. Justin had some flashy plays. But there was a lot of uh, undisciplined. There was a lot of just getting used to the block destruction. Uh, yep. They were getting met a lot faster, I think, than they anticipated. So their get-offs had to improve. And that comes down to looking at it from this from you weren't prepared because you weren't going against somebody that tested you Monday to Friday and in fall camp. That's not going to be true this year. And I think that's going to make this unit even better. And we'll talk more about that down the road. But that's another reason why I'm confident in this group. Here's a here's a I think one of the strengths that we anticipate being a strength of this team that maybe people might question and I think is more debatable in my opinion. And when, when people question that, it would actually, you know, make some sense. I actually think linebackers going to be a strength at a football team this year. Now, last year, the linebackers were just solid. They were solid, but unspectacular. And they had some big mistakes, big misses. You think of Jack Kaiser getting beat down the seam uh, in the bowl game. You think of JD Bertrand's missed tackles against North Carolina and USC and Oklahoma state. You think of the lack of big play production, lack of tackles for loss, lack of sacks, lowest numbers they've had in tackles for loss at linebacker in several seasons. And and so those are those are concerns, right? But it was at least some stead, you know, they were they were solid. They were definitely were not what I would consider a strength. Well, that's those guys from last year are coming back this year. But the 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 reason that I think it's going to be a strength is is three three reasons. One, Jack Kaiser more experience playing that position is going to be better. You have better depth at the position now that Jordan Patojo has a year at that position and the arrival of Jalen Sneed. Because last year they they lost Paul Moala, I think, like in the opener. 
and he was expected to be the number two rover. And so you lost your depth there and you had to move Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah has all that time under his belt, or excuse me, uh, Jordan Patejo, excuse me. And then you have Jalen Sneed, J.D. Bertrand moves to Mike, which I think fits him better. So it's not like J.D.'s just coming back to the same position. I think he's going to move. He now has a full year under his belt. He had very, very little playing time going into last year and went out and had 100 tackles. We talked about the solo stop numbers, which were impressive. You know, only Jalen Smith and Manti Teo in the last decade have had more. And and so actually the last, you'd have to go beyond a decade if you technically want to look at it because Manti, the year Manti had more was in 2011, which is a little over 10 seasons prior to 2021. And so I think he's going to be better, but if he's not, there's two guys there that will beat him out, right? Sure. If he's not better, it's 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 what we expect Maris, Maris Luafau to be. And then Prince Kali, now a sophomore, and then the arrival of the freshman class. All those things to me combine for me to have a lot of confidence in, in this group. Plus, it's not just Marcus Freeman coaching them now. You've got Al Golden replacing Marcus Freeman. Al Golden was coaching linebackers in the National Football League last year, and the linebackers were a strength of that defense. I mean, Jermaine Pratt, uh, it's Logan Wilson, right? I keep forgetting the Logan kid from Wilson. Utah, uh, yep. or from Wyoming, I mean. Uh, mm -hmm. He was part of that group. The, the, he did a great job with that unit from, you know, as I kind of went back and looked at it and, and have talked to different people that cover the team, he did a great job coaching the linebackers. And you've added James Laronitis, who's going to be working with the linebackers a lot too. So they're not, they're, there's the, the coaching should be just as strong as it was, sure. if not better, because you have a better assistant to the coordinator where Marcus Freeman was always kind of split between the linebacker and you had Nick Lazinski who did a nice job, but I think now you've got Freeman and those two coaches. So it's it's just the three of them together. So it's not that Marcus and Nick Lazinski didn't do a good job or that I think that Al and James will be better than they were. It's just they will be good, and now you but you still have Marcus. And trust me, Marcus Freeman is not going to just stop paying attention to the linebacker position. It's impossible. You can't do it. I've tried, right? I mean, even when I was coaching receivers, I'm like, what are the quarterbacks over there doing? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just part of the deal. So – I have a great deal of expectation for this unit. I think the talent is there. I think it's a very athletic unit. If J.D. Bertrand is your least athletic starting linebacker, or if you want to say it's Jack Kaiser, you have an athletic group of linebackers. Because that's the – I've heard people question J.D. Bertrand's athleticism. That is the last thing I'm concerned about with J.D. Bertrand. He's a really good athlete. He's just not very tall, and he's short-armed, yeah, right? That's right. the issue. But athleticism for J.D.? Not the problem, but his athleticism will only play up at Mike compared to where it was at Will because he won't have to be in space as much as which is where his length could get exposed. And so that's why I have a great deal of confidence in this linebacking core. I, I, I perceive it to be a strength going into fall camp, Ryan. What say you? Yeah, I would say that, I mean, first of all, I guess if I wanted to just kind of comment on the J.D. Bertrand, I mean, you mentioned, Brian, he had some missed tackles last year. And I think that's more a length thing than it is an athleticism perspective. There, there, there can be some players that are just late to getting to a spot because they're not great athletes. But I think when you watch J.D. Bertrand, he was always in the right spot. It just seemed like tackle radius isn't huge, right? He's got shorter arms. He hasn't had the greatest range from a tackler perspective, right. not necessarily from a foot quickness perspective. Right. So I think that Maris Loifal is the – he's the player that can upgrade two, two positions potentially, right? If he's the player that we think he is, then he's going to upgrade what the Will linebacker was last year. And mm -hmm. J.D. was good, Will, but he, we, we agree. He, he's going to be a better Mike than Will, in my opinion. 
So you're going to upgrade the will position if Maris is what we think he is with that combination of length and athleticism. You're also going to upgrade the mic because now you don't have to pigeonhole, excuse me, you don't have to pigeonhole a J.D. Bertrand in at will anymore. He can pop over to a more natural mic position where that length is not going to matter quite as much as it did playing a lot Mm -hmm. more in space, to your point. So you upgrade two positions, and now you have to hope, not hope, but you have to expect that Jack Kaiser is going to be a better football player than he was last year. Because I didn't necessarily think JD, I didn't necessarily think Jack was was like bad or anything. He was similar to he was similar to JD, where he was a good, solid football player that made some big plays, but there were some teams that were fast enough and or long enough where he could get into matchup problems because of his lack of length. Like Jeremiah Wusukoromo was about the same height as Jack Kaiser, but Jeremiah is really long. Jack's not as long. Jack is also a really good athlete. It's just there are some matchups, and and especially since you didn't really have safeties that could protect as well. That's something Notre Dame lacked last year's safety, which we'll talk about tomorrow. Sure, uh, you know, as as being a question mark. Although we think Brandon Joseph is could be an answer to that, but he's got to show it, and we don't know how he's going to be used. Some different things that we'll discuss, but. He was put in the island a lot more, I think, than you ideally would want him to. In certain ma- – most matchups, he's fine. Sure. But there were some times when teams were able to get taller slots or tight ends on him and three-by-ones where even though Jack was in good coverage, he was getting beat because he the lack of length. Yeah. And so same thing there. And 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 so – but but to your point, I think now that with a year under his belt, Ryan, he'll be in be better positioned to say, hey, I know that I can't let myself get beat here because of my lack of length. So let me play this differently. That's where experience comes into play. 100%. And, and now the staff knows, okay, Jack is really good in these areas, but hey, look, he can get in trouble in this one area. So let's make sure that we're mindful of not putting him in those situations unless we know he has help, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, look, if he's going to be cover number three, then, you know, maybe your safety is helping over one or two, but make sure you're you're playing some kind of coverage where your backside safety is now going to protect and roll to the middle where he can protect both of the seams when Jack's in coverage. Sure. You know, whereas if you want to, because if you want to outrun Jack to the perimeter, go for it. Clint, <laughs> Wisconsin tried that, right? And and when you look at when Graham Mertz threw that ball, he he had no, he knew, he saw Jack there. He's like, there's no way this guy can get this ball. That's why he threw it. And he was wrong because Jack can run. Right. (laughs) And so those are the times when Jack is really good, when he can just run. But if you get him in a vertical coverage against a taller player, that's when he can get in trouble with a quarterback with some ball placement ability. And they will face those this year. Yeah. And so that was the, the, so I I like Jack last year. He was a solid steady player there. He's going to improve. I think JD is going to improve, but we expect them to have a dude. And I think that's kind of where my, optimism comes from this unit when I look at the strength. And I also think that this unit is going to, it's going to play off better with the front maybe than last year. Cause I think think Drew was not a great, Drew was a really good, he was really smart and, and heady and, and Drew could run pretty, pretty decently as well. He ran a four, six, something at the pro day. That's pretty good for a middle linebacker. It's not necessarily ideal for a guy that's six, one, two twenty, Sure. Right. But he, he could run. Okay. But he wasn't a great, in my opinion, stunter or blitzer. And and I think J.D. is a lot more impactful in that regard. It, the problem was J.D. would get there and then just miss because of the yeah. lack of length. And again, I think as a Mike, he's going to be a little bit more protective because he's not 
going to be in space as much. But, you know, I think he's going to be more impactful coming downhill. He's got more ex- ver- vertical explosiveness than, than Drew White had. Uh, and, and he's got, to me, even more size and length than Drew White had at that position. So I think we're going to see more big play production there. And, and again, if he doesn't, then Bo will be out there or, or Junior will be out there. And they're going to be part of it anyway. Sure. But then when you add the the Marist aspect to it, that's where your big play production is going to come. And that's more than anything, that's where Notre Dame hurt was hurt, been hurt the last couple of years. Because mm-hmm. they didn't have that in 2020 either. Even Asmar in 2019 provided 10 tackles for loss. You know, he Matt Asmar was good at will in 2020. And yep. in 20 or and then 2019 of or excuse me, 2019. And then in 2018, of course, Drew Tranquil was 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 stud. That I mean the two inside Ball. backers in 2018 were studs. Marist, you know, Asmar had some really good moments in 2019, but in 2020, the will linebacker position was a problem. It was, my opinion, the, the biggest problem on defense. And it was two different reasons. You had one guy that did his job precisely every time, but he made no plays because he had no feel for the game. That's Shane Simon, made no plays. The other guy was incredibly athletic and rangy, but he was like inconsistent with his execution. That's Marist. So there were times Marist looked great in 2020. And the other times you're like, dude, where are you going? Like, right, right, right. Where are you? Now you you hope that now with some time under his belt that Maris becomes be that big-time playmaker but now be more steady because they need to get more big-time production from that position. It, this defense is built towards the will line in really most defenses now. It used to be the Mike. Now, like it, it, maybe not from a pure tackle standpoint, but from a big play standpoint, your oh, yeah. will has got to be your position where you're well, getting well, that stuff well, Will's the playmaker. You're 100% correct in that in that regard. And we obviously were expecting Maris to take the jump last year before the injury. I, I think, honestly, Brian, like, I'm going to use, like, the blessing in disguise thing for a second, right? Maris being able to just kind of see the game from a year from a different vantage point might be might be beneficial for him. We'll, we'll see mm-hmm. kind of how that all that works out. But my biggest thing, and you mentioned it briefly, I feel great about the lo- the second level of this defense because there's a lot of depth here, man. Like there's a lot. You just mentioned it with Mike linebacker. If JD's not playing up to up to caliber, up to what you're expecting, up to what his talent dictates, then you have guys like Bo Bauer and Jun- Junior Toya Lavaca that are waiting in the wings and are very capable and talented football players. At will linebacker, Prince Kali is a very talented football player. At Rover, I'm kind of excited about the Rover position. Because we have three completely different types at Rover mm-hmm. that are ready to go here, right? Jack Heiser, good athlete, kind of instinctual type of player. And then you have, you know, a guy, Jalen Sneeds, you know, going to fight for some spot time. But he is the more explosive athlete of the player. And then Jordan Matello kind of has the best of both worlds. And he's got mm-hmm. the background as a Viper. So when you want a, a Rover that can blitz off the edge a little bit, right? Or could come off, come off from the slot on a blitzer. Man, Jordan Patello in the game, and I think that you can mix, mix and match those skill sets really well at the rover position because all three are just so different. So the biggest thing for me is I think that I, I think that Ameris Loifal can unlock the other players around him because he helps you in a couple different spots. But more than anything, I'm excited about the depth. There is right. so many talented football players, which I don't remember it being this deep in years past. I mean, I remember last it year. It hasn't when, been. Yeah. Yeah. I remember last year when Maris got hurt, you're like. Oh, well, I mean, J.D. Bertrand ended up being a good player, but, like, I was like, oh, man, can J.D. Bertrand play Will? He doesn't really look like a Will linebacker to me. And, you know, we're kind of like, he probably is more of a Mike than a Will, which is mm-hmm. why we're excited about it. But the point is, is if, God forbid, somebody gets hurt, you're like, oh, there's there's a dude behind him, you know? Like, like 
these guys can play a little bit, right? right. So, I mean, we're in a, we're in a situation where Jalen Sneed is so talented, but yet he's not guaranteed to play much in 2022 right. because he, the depth is just so hot, high in front of him right now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think that leads into the final point, Ryan. I think it's a tremendous segue, by the way. The thing that I think leads to my expectations for this defense being high, despite some question marks. Everybody's got question marks coming into the season. Everyone. The, the the optimism I have is because even at the positions where there's question marks, what you have everywhere is depth and, and most importantly, experience depth. And you look at linebacker, right? Like Bo Bowers played a lot of football. He is experienced. Jordan Patojo has now played a decent amount of football. Uh, Prince Colley has a year under his belt. You don't need the freshman to come in. In past years, the freshman would have had to play. I mean, they'd have had no choice, at least, I mean, as number twos at the very least. And and now you're in a situation where you're talking about a guy like Gabriel Rubio, who's a top 100 recruit, is is struggling to see the field. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking about scenarios where in the secondary, where you've got like four guys that have played a lot of football battling it out for one spot. You know, you're talking about cornerback. You've got Tariq Bracey has played a ton of football. Right, like Tariq's back for his fifth year, but like Bo Bauer, he and Kurt Heinisch, he's a fifth year because of COVID. Tariq has played all four years of his career. I mean, he never, he's, I mean, going back to his freshman year against Pitt, I remember the, the first time we really saw Tariq break out. Dante Vaughn was replacing Troy Pride. Dante was having a rough day. Tariq comes off the bench, solidifies thing. He comes in, he's playing the nickel against Florida State. Florida State goes at him seven times, 0 for 7 going after Tariq. Played really well against USC uh, that year at the end of the season, going against some bigger receivers. They caught like one back shoulder on him, and other than that, I thought he played great. 19, he's got some great moments, like against Georgia, some down moments. 2020, we've talked about, was a down year for him, 2021. But the point is, this kid's played a ton of football, right? Clarence Lewis was forced into the field too early his first two years. He played way more football than I would have anticipated, and I'm someone who liked Clarence coming in. Now we're going to see the benefits of that. We're going to see Notre Dame benefit from the fact that Clarence Lewis was put in so many spots to struggle the last couple years, right? How will Notre Dame use him? That remains a question, and that's going to determine how successful he'll be. And A little preview of what we're going to discuss tomorrow. But what you have, Ryan, is you have depth and experience everywhere, Compared to last year, where it was a lot of a lot of what ifs on defense last year, yeah, a lot of especially once Maris went down, it's like, well, uh, I don't know what we're going to get from JD Bertrand. JD's hardly, I mean, he's only played like a couple mop up snaps. We've never seen JD Bertrand in action. I don't know what he's going to do. Jeremiah Jack Kaiser is having to replace Jeremiah Wusukor Moa. Well, now Jack just has to be a better version of what he was last year. It's no longer we're not worried about Jeremiah being replaced anymore that's already been done right i mean he's he's now two years removed you're not saying be the next jeremiah no go be a better version of who you were last year jack that's all we need you to do and that's kind of where you get into this you know know, who's going to replace the the you know 
Dalen Hayes and Adi Takumba Ogundiji. Well, now we know. Isaiah is now proven. Isaiah was an unproven player going into last year. A lot of potential, a lot of upside, right? We were talking about him kind of like we're talking about Riley Mills now. Like when this kid got on the field last year, he was pretty good. He just needs to be more consistent. And can he take over, playmaking play, role, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a guy that that played, you know, played was a rotation guy. Well, now we have these answers, right? Now we know who these guys are. What's Riley Mills going to do? Now we know at least the floor of what he can be. Sure. And I think that is the final piece for me, Ryan, that that says, okay, this team has a chance to be to be really good. Yeah, I, I so I would like to say this: we have seen guys like Clarence Lewis struggle, right, over the last over his first two years because he's pressed a little too early into duty. To your point, right. We have seen Jack Kaiser at times struggle a little bit last year. We've seen J.D. Bertrand at times struggle. Sometimes that is another blessing in disguise. Because we talk, I know we're not talking about offensive line today, but I think that it's going to be incredibly beneficial for this team, the fact that a lot of the guys struggled last year. I think it's going to help them. Because now they have seen what their limitations are. And I know limitations is a very negative kind of, you know, has a negative connotation to it. But they have seen the best and the worst already. So I think that when you're seeing what a Clarence has gone through, he's been through the ringer. There is a thing called baptism by fire, right? Throwing these guys in, sometimes some players do not come out the other side, the best version of themselves, but sometimes they do. And everything we've heard of a Clarence Lewis, for instance, he is about as hard a worker on this team as anybody in the Notre Dame program. So I have no doubt that he is working to be the best version of himself. And that has created helped to create depth for this team. The fact that guys have had to play. And now we're in a position this year where some guys that are incredibly talented won't have to play because Notre Dame has created depth for themselves. It wasn't maybe a couple of their pathways wasn't exactly what you would have liked it to be to get to this point. But no matter how you look at it, Clarence Lewis has played two years and a lot of snaps. They are have the opportunity now to come out on the other side because they had been forced into inopportunity, inopportune positions, but now that has created depth, that has created experience. So to your point, Brian, to my previous point as well, there's a lot of depth here. There's a lot of talent and there's a lot of good football players that aren't even going to get a chance to step on the football field this year as much because of how much Notre Dame has created depth on the defensive side of the football. And that's where you need to be in today's game. Absolutely. Right. I mean, in today's game, especially, you have to have numbers. And I've talked about this with sources in Notre Dame. They're like, one of the issues we had last year is like Clarence played more than we wanted him to last year. Just because of, like I said, the fact that we we at least knew what you're going to get from him. And it was some of the injuries that they had. That if Clarence doesn't play better this year, he just won't be playing. They have other options now. Guys that have stepped up, guys that have more experience. You've got the freshman coming in. There's a lot more possibilities now. Last year, you had Ryan Barnes coming off of a year where he didn't play as a senior in high school. He hadn't played football in really two years. You look at Philip Riley, you know, was a raw kid. Chance Tucker played like, what, three games his senior year because, and it was in the spring, you know, because they canceled the fall in California. Yep. And now you've got those three guys now have a year under the system. Plus, you bring Jaden Mickey in. Plus, you have Benjamin Morrison. Plus, now Cam Hartz, a guy who was another question mark going into last year. We always knew he was talented, but like, Kids a wide receiver, like you know, like he was having the same problem in 2020 that, that that Ryan Barnes had last year. He would flash, but just there was just the consistency wasn't there as a guy that was transfer transitioning over from from wide receiver. 
and limited reps with everything right. that's going on with COVID. Because of COVID, yeah. that he missed the yeah. spring. His first full spring as a corner he missed because of COVID. You're absolutely right. It's a great point, Ryan. Yeah. And so he was behind. And so you're like, what is he going to be? And then he steps up and he plays really good football. So that's kind of where a lot of our optimism comes from the defense. It's it's There are so few what-ifs this year compared to last year. Mm-hmm. You're transitioning to a new defense. You won't be making the same type of dramatic transition this year. There will be things that are different without Golden, but it won't be the same dramatic shift from Clark Lee's philosophy to Marcus Freeman's. Way more proven production coming back at linebacker. Way more proven production coming back at a defensive line. Depth at both both positions is much better this year because of arrivals of freshmen plus younger players now growing up. And Jason Nonye is a year closer to being a contributor than he was last year. Way more depth in the secondary. Now, Sky's got to prove themselves. Sure. But even at safety, think about this. Down the stretch, Notre Dame won their last six games with two safeties playing who had started the year, one started the year at corner, the other started the year at receiver. Uh-huh. That's who they were throwing out there to try to beat Oklahoma State in a bowl game. Right? And But now you're in a situation where those guys have a full year now under their belt as, as defensive players. There's 100%. not the big what-ifs anymore. and And so now – Houston Griffin and DJ Brown, who had some okay moments last year and some not okay moments last year, they can't play like they did last year. They won't be on the field. Last year, they were going to be on the field no matter how they played, which is Mm -hmm. why they had to move Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts. So now you're in a the the margin for error this year on defense is much greater than it was last year. And, And and Ryan, we're talking about a team in Notre Dame that that was still pretty good on defense last year. Sure. You know, I mean, I mean, going into the going into the, I mean, they finished last year 14th in in scoring defense. That was with giving up 37 points in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, this was a pretty good defense last year, 100%. and it had a lot of problems. And yes, they played a weak schedule, but the the thing about the weak schedule is they didn't play weak offenses. No, that's the thing. The teams that they played had crap defenses. But the, you look down the stretch now, and everybody says, well, Virginia didn't have Brennan Armstrong. That matters. That matters big time. Sure. But they still had all those receivers that you love, and they couldn't mm-hmm. do anything against Notre Dame in regulation. You know, North Carolina had a really good offense. Well, other than a couple big plays and some Sam House scrambles, they weren't scrambles. They weren't able to move the ball up and down the field in the defense. They shut down USC's offense. You know, they completely shut down Georgia Tech. They Stanford had, what, one big play? I mean, they got a guy, a quarterback, that people are projecting as a first-round draft pick this year. Yeah. You know, so I mean, so th- they they played good offenses last year during that time when the the overall teams that they were playing were not good. You can't say that about the offense. I mean, you look at what they did to Purdue. It didn't look like much at the time because Purdue wasn't that good the year before. But by the end of the year, that holding Purdue to 13 points looked pretty flipping good. Sure does. When you saw what Purdue came became at the end of the year. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team, Ryan, is defensively I have a lot more optimism. And there's a lot more – we have a lot more answers on this team than we did last year. Where last year, what was the one answer we had last year? We knew that Kyle Hamilton was going to – was a returning All-American, and you knew that you were going to get steady play from Myron and Kurt. But even with Myron, he was moving positions. Sure. Right, and you knew that Drew White was going to be a steady, solid player. Those are the only things we knew last year. That's it. Yep, that's it. That's the only things that we knew. Jason was going into his first year as a starter. Isaiah was going into his first year as a starter. Cam Hart was going into his first year, really playing meaningful snaps. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson weren't even playing the positions that they're playing now. 
You know, like one of the most experienced guys going into last year was Clarence Lewis, who's a true sophomore. Yep. And and if it tells you kind of about and they were still a sub twenty point per game defense. Mm-hmm. And so you want to know why we're optimistic about this defense? That's it right there. They have a lot of potential stars. They have a, a, a really loaded front seven, an athletic and deep and experienced front seven. And the secondary is the is the question, right? But two stars that they potentially have are in the secondary. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that would, would love to be going into the season with question marks in the secondary that include having Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph in it. And a lot and a lot of NFL teams would also love to have those two players yes. that you just mentioned as yes. well. So, yes. yes, it's very talented. I'll say this too, Brian. I don't want to forget to mention this. This is going to be one of the fa- – from a pure defensive unit perspective, this is going to be one of the more – the fastest defenses that I can remember at Notre Dame personally. Yes. I mean, when you look yeah. at – Maris can run. Cam Hart can run. Brandon Joseph can run. Xavier Watts can run. Ramon Henderson can run. Defensive line-wise, Isaiah Foskey can run. We talked about Jack Kaiser can run. Jason Amalola can run. All these guys have a larger margin for error because, man, they are athletic. This is a really athletic. And I think we saw that in the spring. You know, even when guys were maybe making mistakes, it was fast mistakes, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. like, oh. These guys can move, man. They're closing on the football incredibly fast. So are there going to be mistakes at times? Sure. There always are. There's always some sort of miscommunication or someone's in the wrong gap or someone got a wrong coverage call or whatever it is. But all I know is I am trying to rack my brain on when when was the last time Notre Dame was this more athletic as a whole on the defensive side of the football. And I'm having trouble just figuring out what that year is, man, because this is going to be a fast defense, very fast. I mean, we thought last year's defense was going to be fast, and I think that changed a little bit when Maris got hurt. But still, sure. I mean, you, you knew that was, they, they were going to have some speed. Sure. I think the 28 defense was a great defense, but it was great because you had smart football players on it. Like, Alohi wasn't fast. He yeah. ran a 4-6 of this combine. Jalen Elliott ran a 4-8, but you and I both know Jalen Elliott's faster than a 4-8. That's why he's still in the NFL. You know, Troy Pride was a burner, but Julian Love ran a mid-4-5 at the pro yeah. day at the combine and then at the pro day, meaning he couldn't improve it. You know, Drew Tranquil was uh, one of the more athletic guys. He ran a four five eight, which is really good for a will linebacker, but I, I'd be willing to bet you Maris definitely beats that. But okay. Tavon Coney wasn't fast. He was explosive, but he wasn't fast, right? He wasn't a sideline to sideline guy. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know if, if J- JD will either, but he's going to be closer. The rover in 2018 was Osmar Bilal, who was fast, but he didn't play fast because he wasn't he he didn't know what he was doing out there to the point where they barely rarely used him at Rover unless they were playing like a a pro I team like Stanford yep. back then. So and then you look at the D line, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is the this is definitely the most athletic Notre Dame defense they've had in a while. And I would argue speed wise, yes. I think there's a lot of legit four four guys in this in this defensive backfield. Now, can some of those guys play? That's the question. Can Ramon Henderson play? Uh, we'll find out. But I'll say this right to you right now. The the trio of Ramon Henderson, Brandon Joseph, and Xavier Watts at safety with, with Tariq Bracey, Clarence Lewis, and Cam Hart in the I, I, corner is definitely faster as a unit than the 2018 secondary, which was a great secondary. The question is, can they play like those guys? Because Julian Love wasn't an All-American because of his speed. He was an All-American because of what he had up here. 
Alohi Gilman wasn't a great player for Notre Dame because of his speed. He was athletic, right? He just wasn't fast. But he was an All-American because of what he has up here and what he had in here. Same with Jalen Elliott. He was a really smart football player. Can this team play with the football IQ of that 2018 defense? That's the big question for me. But if they can come even close to what the 2018 team was intellectually, leadership-wise, instinct-wise, this is will be Notre Dame's best defense since 2012. It, it will be that, but that's a bit, and, and we'll get into that tomorrow more, but that's the big question. That's, that's not the strength. The strength that Ryan just pointed out is athleticism, speed, and depth of athleticism and speed, mm-hmm. right? Is if they lose a guy, they're putting another athletic guy on the field. That's the, that's a key. And that's, 100%. that's where the margin for error becomes wider is when you can run you can overcome some of those other mistakes. What would hurt Notre Dame in the past is when those guys would make mental mistakes. They weren't athletic enough to overcome it. And yep. this group is. So we'll find out. So that's going to do it for overcompensating trait, man. That's Always right. love it to is. Run the it is. Flat trait. out it is. Flat out it is. That's going to do it for this part of the show. We are going to have a mailbag coming up. We have already have 15 questions started, and I'm not even halfway through. I'm not. I'm only to 128 right now as far as going through and finding started questions. So we'll get to that here. Uh, after this but before we get to the mailbag hit that like button everybody hit the subscribe button hit that notification bell share this podcast make sure you sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com to check out all of the latest intel that we have headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my patriot supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company americans trust to prepare go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. 
Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.